When I was preparing the presentation for a moment, I was a little bit concerned because, as Kaveri just pointed out, um, my understanding was that this seminar series mainly looks at the decision-making uh, and kind of intergenerational relationships uh, concerning child-rearing, whereas uh, my paper today I'll be talking about um, reproductive decisions. So I'll, uh, my point of investigation is a little bit early. It's uh, essentially I look at the problem before women have had children. Once they, they're pregnant and they, they either have this child or they have to have an abortion and how their own parents' views affect that decision-making process. Okay, so um, the title of this presentation is Primarily Pregnant Women and Their Parents, How Family Norms Are Reinforced Across Generations in Contemporary Japan. Uh, so I thought I'll start uh, with a quote. Uh, this is one of my interviewees. She is 42-year-old, has a college education, wasn't a full-time job at the time of an interview. And I thought uh, this quote from her summarizes the kind of uh, difficulties and uh, concerns that most of the women I interviewed had and summarized very nicely. And basically, uh, of Junko, this interview of mine, at first when she found out that she was pregnant, she was quite unambiguous. She was really determined that she would like to have a baby. So she says, at first I was happy I was pregnant, very, very happy. It maybe sounds strange, but it was because I've never been pregnant before. I was so happy to be expecting a baby. Only the father of the child already had a family, so marriage was not possible. I myself have had a divorce, so I felt married life is somewhat difficult for me. But I had a strong desire to have a child. I was already 33 when I got pregnant. Gradually, I felt I was getting old. So at first, I honestly thought, even if I cannot get married, I will have this child. However, once she started thinking about her parents and just imagining how she might be telling her parents about her pregnancy and her plan to have a child without being able to get married, her determination pretty much crumbled. She said, I could not convey my feelings to my parents. I got really distressed about it and um, just could not figure a way of telling one. Although inside myself I was sure what I wanted to do, I felt that without my parents' support I could not raise the child. Quitting my job was not an option. I would continue working, yet I could not imagine re renting a flat somewhere and raising a child alone. To be able to have a child, I first of all needed my parents' support, yet I could not bring myself to tell them about this pregnancy, and this really worried me. I felt I couldn't raise a child. I got really insecure and considered an abortion. So, I mean, Yuri already sort of attracts attention to lots of points that women just felt that without parental support, many women felt there was no way of raising a child alone. Uh, not working was not an option. And I will discuss those things, the, the, the environment in which the decision is being made a little bit before I go directly into the inter intergenerational negotiations. Um, ah, and before I start, why did I choose unwed mothers and their families to look at intergenerational relationships? Uh, never married mothers in Japan are a really tiny minority. Less than 2% of children are born outside marriage in Japan. So, And the figure has hardly changed since 1950s. So why choose such a small minority to investigate the family-related issues? I felt that unmarried motherhood is a very costly step, in, particularly so in Japan, uh, both in terms in, in financial terms and just in terms of human relationships, relationships with parents and so on. So um, individual childbearing-related views become most explicit because it's such a difficult decision. Uh, women think through and talk through all the steps and all the kind of possible reasons, uh, probably much more explicitly so than they would be in a more sort of normal, uh, normal family. 
Um, I, this is just a few words about the data I used. Um, this presentation mainly relies on the interview data. I've, collected, I've done 68 in-depth semi-structured interviews with uh, never-married mothers in Japan between 2004 and 2005. And I've sort of, as it was a qualitative project, so I've uh, aimed to get a variety of subjects, rather, of trying to get a representative sample, which is anyway probably impossible with a stigmatized, heavily stigmatized minority. So I got quite a good age range uh, with women, uh, interviewing women aged from 23 to 73. Uh, they also had children at very different points in life. Some were quite young, I mean, almost teenage mothers, and others. Uh, there was one woman who had a child at 44, very late pregnancy. A good income range, again, with uh, from a woman who had no income at all and was even not able to qualify for welfare to someone who had 12 million yen a year, which is quite a, I should have translated that into pounds. It, it's quite a high income. It's just generally by Japanese women's standards. Uh, more than an average two-parent family uh, would, would the income of an average two-parent family. Um, and I had a good geographical spread. I interviewed women in several. I basically tried to get women in urban and in rural areas to see whether there are significant differences between the two. And I also, to, for comparison, I did a small, I spoke to a small sample of divorcees uh, with, with quite similar average characteristics. So, um, as I said, I want to say a few words about the environment about, uh, in which the decisions, w women had to take their decisions and negotiate those pregnancies with their parents uh, before I go directly into this uh, discussion of these negotiations. So, labor market environment and how did the state, uh, what was the state impact on the decision? Uh, Japanese single mothers are the main breadwinners for their families, so uh, the important thing to know about Japan is that the state is really not generous at all. Uh, it's, it's very little present uh, and seem, impacts the decisions of uh, unmarried and pregnant women more, more or less by their absence. As uh, I mentioned earlier, Yuri, this interview I introduced uh, in the beginning of my presentation, said that she had to work, and this is true for almost everyone. There is very, the welfare provision is very limited. The two main uh, schemes, there are two big schemes of which single mothers can take advantage of. This is livelihood protection. Um, that's kind of a con, con, Japanese constitution guarantees minimal level of well-being for everyone in Japan. And this is the scheme to back it up. So someone who is unable to earn for reasons of disability or other reasons, in principle has a constitutional right to apply to the state and get this livelihood pr protection. In practice, it's extre extremely difficult to qualify and there is a lot of quantitative research which demonstrates that many of the women seem to choose or either choose or be forced to work and earn less um, than this level of the livelihood protection provision uh, rather than apply for the welfare. And then there is a child rearing support allowance. This is just a small amount of um, of money, a, a top-up, uh, so it, child rearing support allowance doesn't allow a woman to opt for non-working and concentrate on child rearing. Uh, a recipient of a child rearing support allowance, it will be a supplement of her income, it won't be, it could not be the main uh, income source, and again, it's quite uh, difficult to qualify, and year after year, the Japanese state has been uh, making the rules more stringent. So welfare in the state is pretty much marked by their absence. Uh, they have been um, a 
there have been some recent re- improvements in the labor market, uh, not so much specifically uh, to affect single mothers, but uh, rather for working women. And in that way, as single mothers in most cases are working women in Japan, they could benefit from uh, those developments. Namely, there's been um, the eligibility for maternity and childcare leaves has been broadened um, and better enforced is better enforced these days. Uh, the Wage gap between men and f- male and female full-time employees has been slowly, very slowly, closing in Japan. Uh, more women have been joining the labor market. Uh, more women now work as company employees, which is actually an important point I thought for family negotiations, because largely the women who these days uh, are joining the labor market, they used to be women used to be mainly family employees, and arguably, if you work for your family, your family has a probably even greater say to your uh, whatever decisions, big decisions you're making in your life. There have been great improvements in daycare provision, and in Japan, daycare will be uh, is the price of wealth. Uh, of daycare is income related so someone with very low income uh, could even um, put their child into the daycare for free and uh, there have been uh, introduced some employment support policies for single mothers nevertheless single mothers have uh, persistently low, very low incomes in Japan an average wing, uh, income of a single mother household is less than a third uh, of that of a two parent household and uh, all those changes that I mentioned uh, of the, in the labor market conditions, they have been mostly they have mostly benefited women unencumbered by family care, and they did not uh, eliminate employers' reluctance to hire uh, mothers for full-time regular jobs. Employers are, tend to be quite willing to hire mothers for part-time jobs or uh, all kinds of contract jobs, but these tend to be really badly paid and uh, don't get all the animal social security and it's very they're very, very unprotected so it's very easy to fire um, these employees whereas it can be quite hard to fire someone in full-time employment so in just in conclusion to all these environmental description uh, I think that already uh, kind of puts you to the idea it puts the idea in your mind that parents must be very important um, and at the same time they're quite a, a very little studied source of support for single mothers in Japan so why are they such a uh, little studied source. We could think that perhaps uh, parents' views are very similar to the single mothers themselves, so in a way perhaps we can't um, see the impact very much that whatever the decisions are made that the single mothers themselves and their parents, they think the same about uh, child-bearing or child-rearing related things, so perhaps that is why people don't study the parents separately because it's quite difficult to separate the two. Um, and to uh, see whether that is the case, I, I looked at the World Values Survey. It's one of the biggest international survey of attitudes. Um, and I specifically looked at the 2005 sample. And uh, generally, if you look at the attitudes to single mothers, Japan stands out um, still with rather conservative attitudes. There are only 22% of Japanese people in the sample overall sample would approve of a woman who wants to have a child as a single parent but doesn't want to have a stable relationship with a man. And I just put a couple of comparisons to uh, comparisons to a couple of Western countries, uh, from quite liberal Sweden to quite conservative Italy, and you see that all the Western countries that I've listed uh, tend to have more liberal attitudes to single mothers. Uh, however, what uh, Japan particularly stands out on in, is the age differences in attitudes. 
So it is not true. We cannot argue that uh, the parents have very similar attitudes uh, to the children when it comes to uh, single mother food, reproductive choices, and so on. Uh, People below, um, looking at this graph, you see the black bars are uh, people disapproving of a woman who wants to have a child and raise him or her by herself, and the white bars are people approving. As, as you can see, people be- below 50, they're kind of similar, the sample divides half and half. Those be- below 40, there are more people approving of single mothers and disapproving the 40 to 50 slightly more disapproving people but rough I mean very very roughly they kind of split half and half and uh, I also did a logistic regression and there are actually not, no statistical significant statistically significant differences between the two three lower age groups um, the differences however become very stark with the people between uh, people who are aged less than 50 and above 50. So people above 50 generally in Japan tend to strongly disapprove of single mothers and the older they are, the more they're going to disapprove. Um, So yeah, this is what I said. Around age 50, a significant change occurs with a considerably higher proportion of people disapproving of single motherhood. Uh, the magnitude of differences, I, I haven't actually showed it in graphs, but the magnitude, I, I did the same analysis for the Western countries that I uh, listed early on. There was, I think, France, Sweden, Spain, Italy, and so on. Uh, the magnitude of difference is considerably greater than even in Italy, which was the most conservative uh, in this world value survey uh, in the countries that I choose. And uh, in liberal Sweden, just for comparisons, only those about above 70 display a significantly different attitudes to single motherhood uh, than all the other age groups. And the magnitude's not very high. And uh, I could see, so I've shown you statistics, but I kind of could arrive to the same conclusion just from analyzing my interviews. And uh, Yuri, a 38-year-old university graduate, uh, unmarried single mother, sort of summarized it quite nicely. She was saying that people of my age in general do not feel strongly against illegitimacy. They were supportive and said things to me like, oh, you're doing so well, it must be hard. Or I think it must be hard, good luck. Friends from my work, friends I made before having a child, maybe said something negative behind my back. I do not know. But to my face, no one said anything strange. If anything, they were quite encouraging. My younger sister is also from the same generation, so she was the same, meaning supportive. However, Yuri's parents, when she had her child outside marriage, they didn't allow her to enter their house for one year after she gave birth to a child outside wedlock. So what were the family reactions? What are the family... When the women kind of mentioned this pregnancy and the possibility of childbirth, how did their parents generally uh, react? Parental reactions were of paramount importance to the women, so once they established that marriage was out of the question. So the first, when they found out they were pregnant, most of them kind of assessed whether they are going to be able to get married. And if they were, that was the default scenario. Even if the man seemed undesirable in many ways. Uh, the plan was to get married and then perhaps perhaps divorce later on. Um, if they established that it was impossible for them to get married, the parental reactions were of paramount importance. Half of the women found it very difficult to mention uh, their pregnancy to their parents. 
and 31 of, out of 68 unmarried mothers interviewed only dared to notify their parents when abortion was legally impossible. Because, uh, in the words of Yoshko, if I told them earlier, they would have definitely made me have an abortion. I was expecting this reaction. So almost half of the women were also, they were kind of afraid to enter into any negotiations because they were afraid that they're going to lose. And uh, in some way they relied on the state and on the uh, legal abortion law to kind of protect them from their parents and uh, this necessity. How do you mean, sorry, at what stage does it become illegal? 24 weeks, Japan's quite late. Um, So it's almost 24 weeks, almost six months of pregnancy. So, um, parents of Akemi, a 36-year-old full-time employed high school graduate, were worried about what the neighbors would think. So they said they would like me to have an abortion. And if I did not, they would rather I left home. So I packed and left. Since then, we have not really been in touch. So again, really hardly any negotiation. There is just this unacceptance. And um, interestingly, Akemi was neither surprised by this reaction nor found it particularly harsh. She commented herself uh, that if an unmarried daughter gets pregnant just like that, no parent is going to say how wonderful. So she thought this was the right. She, she made her mind and she was quite, she desired to have a child, but at the same time she accepted and understood the point of view of her parents. So that probably is why there was no negotiation because she probably didn't feel she could possibly convince them. Um, there were some patterns uh, that could be observed in parental reactions. Parents who lived in big cities tend to be tended to be a little bit more lenient, which is probably not very surprising. Uh, parents from rural areas were stricter and more prone to t- attach great importance to the neighbor's opinion. So it was uh, the stigmatization that they were afraid the whole family is going to suffer was very important for them and a very important reason to somehow um, send the daughter away if she refused to have an abortion. And fathers tended to be much less forgiving than the mothers. And that actually reflects the general pattern, which I observed also in the World Values Survey, uh, where women tend to be more tolerant of single motherhood than men. Um, And the parental reactions generally uh, ranged from gradual acceptance. So nobody said how wonderful, but uh, the most accepting parents, they kind of gave a gradual acceptance. And... um, the circumstances in which gradual acceptance was to be expected was uh, when the, mo- the expecting mother could uh, appeal to a competing social norm, namely that the woman, there are two very strong norms. A woman should get married and a woman should have a child. And if the woman was kind of getting older, in her mid to late 30s, then uh, the, these two norms could start competing between themselves because a woman could choose to wait and keep looking for a partner and maybe find someone but maybe run out of a biological time to have a child. Or she could go on and have a child but not secure a partner. So for younger women could not kind of appeal to to this competition. But for older women this worked sometimes. And I think the most welcoming parent was the mother of Tomoko. As Tomoko was approaching 40 and was still unmarried and childless, her mother grew ever more alarmed. She kept saying, it would be better if at least you have a child. Even if you immediately divorce, it is better if you marry and have a child. Of course, she never encouraged me to have a child outside marriage. However, when Tomoko, a self-employed university graduate, got pregnant by accident at 38 and thought she would like to keep the child, even though there was no prospect of marriage, again, I think the man was married um, in the situation. Uh, She met with very little resistance. Her mother said, well, why not? She was essentially resigned. Um, 
And then I think uh, some of the fathers were uh, extremely unfor unforgiving. They tended to be much less forgiving generally. And anticipating that the primarily pregnant women often tried to enlist their mother's support. If they could somehow talk the mothers over and argue, look, uh, this is my only chance to have a child and I'll earn and I'll, uh, I'll have this, I'll be able to raise it. Um, so they would try to get the mothers as a diplomat to talk to the fathers and uh, convince them. However, these diplomatic efforts uh, seldom really succeeded. Uh, one of the good examples is the example of Haruko, who only dared to tell her father that she was expecting a baby just before her son was actually born. Uh, and this was possible because uh, she lived uh, in a different, uh, geographically, in a distant area. After hearing the news, uh, he got extremely drunk and had to be hospitalized with alcohol poisoning. Uh, hearing about this, Haruko wrote him a long letter apologizing for her decision. Soon the reply came back. It was a letter of notification of severing all ties with me. She tried to describe this letter. Apparently it was almost a scroll with quite formal address and... Uh, explaining that he sort of throws her out of his family. I do not think you are my daughter. I do not think you are my child. It was a letter severing ties. From then on, he really refused to have anything to do with me for three years. Just before my son became three, we, for the first time, went to meet his grandfather. That was the first time he agreed to meet us. So it was quite a holding out uh, for a long time. Whenever possible, as I mentioned, the parents tried to push uh, their uh, pregnant daughters for, for a shotgun marriage. And um, I could observe that with, that with two out of 12 of divorced mothers I interviewed um, who had their children within marital unions only because of their parents' effort. And the parents essentially drove those marriages. And for example, one woman said, my mother got terribly angry and said the following to the child's father, who got married to somebody else shortly after making my interview pregnant. If you at least talk to your parents or somebody else, you could first have a paper marriage with my daughter, and then the child would not be discriminated as illegitimate. So if they kind of registered their marriage just until the child is born, and then deregistered the marriage again, the child uh, would be born as a child of a divorced union and uh, the parents clearly the mother clearly felt that this was preferable uh, but because you got married what will you do for us now there is nothing you can do apart from paying some compensation so just a paternal kind of support um, in most cases uh, with my interviews marriage was unavailable and then in most cases they received a lot of pressure towards abortion so, another quote from Noriko, a 39-year-old, full-time employed unmarried mother with a university degree, who said that her, once her parents felt that they could not force her boyfriend into marriage because he was planning to marry somebody else, uh, from this moment on, they, uh, from the moment they understood my ex-fiancé was such an unreliable man, they started pressuring me. Do not have this child, they kept saying. That until my pregnancy exceeded six months, so this is the rough time when you can't have an abortion anymore. Convincing them took more than two months. Only when I was more than six months pregnant did they give up. Um, why were parents so opposed to having grandchildren born outside marriage? There seemed to be two uh, very big reasons for that. One was the concern for the child's and the mother's well-being, and that was not... Um, purely or even mainly sometimes financial concern because the women I interviewed they came from very different family backgrounds some of them uh, were from quite affluent families where the parents could have comfortably supported their daughter 
and that way ensure that uh, the ensure mothers and child purest of day-to-day and financial well-being. However. The parents strongly believe that the two-parent family is absolutely necessary for the minimum well-being of a child and uh, sort of a bit controversially from the uh, kind of Western Christian perspective, a lot of the parents felt that being aborted is a better choice for a child than actually being born outside marriage. Uh, Maybe a little bit of a uh, controversial point of view, but this was quite widespread among the older generation. And the second big uh, cluster of reasons was fear of stigma, and that was particularly strong in uh, smaller uh, rural areas. And that's partially related to the Koseki, that is the Japanese registration system, this is the kind of identity papers, which in Japan make the identities of uh, a mother and a child uh, interdependent. You get uh, two generations in your identity paper, listed in your identity papers. So if someone's daughter has a child outside marriage and then at some point in their life they have to produce their identity papers, uh, then it will be obvious for anyone who looks at those papers that their daughter or their sister had a child outside marriage. This is just the way it works. And those identity papers can be uh, necessary when, for example, someone is uh, trying to get employed. Uh, So sometimes the parents argue that you're going to jeopardize the employment choices of your siblings, your own, and uh, your future child, they will never get a good job if you go on and uh, go on with that decision. Why are the parents' views so important? Uh, well, women in my sample ultimately defied their parents' wishes, yet even for these uh, women, these women turn out to be extremely concerned by their parents' views. At the same time, as I showed earlier on, I did have quite a wide age spread in my sample, but um, if you notice, the average age of my interviewees was, I think, the average age at the time of the interview was late 30s, and at the time of having a child was early 30s. So you would uh, imagine that these are kind of grown-up women, not in education. And in Japan, this is quite typical generally, women... Having children outside marriage, this is not a teenage problem. This is uh, this is much more kind of grown-up women, uh, late twenties, early mid thirties. It tends to be the general pattern. Um, so these are women who are who have completed their education, have been in employment for a couple of years, um, often uh, or sometimes they are residing separately from their parents. Why are they so extremely concerned by their parents' views? Again, as I mentioned early on. Family employment is not typical anymore, so they're not working for their parents' company. They're working outside. Uh, some, uh, one of the reasons probably that it takes Japanese women a very long time to achieve residential and financial independence. Uh, 40, if you look at statistics, 46% of unmarried women in their 30s continue receiving financial help from their parents. 70% of unmarried women aged 35 to 39 continue to co-reside with their parents. So, I mean, part of it is just this continual dependency, and uh, which is a typical pattern for women. So, many of my, not all, but quite a few of my interviews uh, were still co-residing with their parents before they, uh, at the time when they got pregnant. Um, and uh, this dependency actually only increases for mothers. So, uh, 20% of two-parent families with a child, with a five-year-old, children co-reside with the parents. The corresponding figure for single, never married mothers is 55.3%. So, And for I mean, divorced women is slightly different, but also much higher than that for two-parent families. 
57% of full-time employed mothers rely on grandparents to help with child rearing. And as I mentioned earlier on, a majority of single mothers in Japan are going to be in full-time employment because they are the main breadwinners and uh, part-time income just doesn't allow. There is no welfare subsidies, subsidies substantial enough and widespread enough to enable uh, large numbers of single mothers to work only part-time or opt for not working at all. Finally, co-resigning with parents significantly improves single mothers' ability to find jobs, and they really need those jobs. Uh, but that was not this purely practical concerns with, uh, not were not the only reasons. Another uh, reason why women really felt that they needed to to somehow uh, achieve their parents' approval or otherwise maybe opt for abortion after all uh, was that they felt that the parents helped them to create an ordinary environment for their grandchildren. Uh, there is a very strong norm that uh, in, in Japan that a, a two-parent family norm, which is, I mean, it's it's less strong for younger generation, but still, as I showed early on, Japan still stands out with much fewer people approving of women raising children alone if you compare to many Western countries. So... Younger women are more liberal uh, than the older generation. People below 50 are more liberal, but they're not uh, liberal by Western standards in that regard. So uh, many women said that they tried to make their parents play the role of the absent father. Now, they were particularly concerned, single mothers were particularly concerned about the absent father figure, and particularly so uh, when they had sons. Uh, so Noriko said, the grandfather plays the role of a father figure. I have a son, so he needs a father. I get the grandfather to spend time and help me raise my son. And it's probably also, it's probably also important to note here that in Japan you don't uh, have uh, legal shared, legally shared parental rights. So once you are a single mother, you are the only parent. You don't, I mean, the father is essentially doesn't take much, doesn't play much of a role in child upbringing of a child anymore. Uh, at the same time, parental support is much harder to get uh, for women who had uh, children outside marriage. 70% of all single mothers co-resided with their parents at the time their children were born, but for single never-married mothers, the figure dropped for 62%. So still, majority of them somehow managed to, to get to their parents, uh, but fewer than women who were not in these circumstances. I always talk very fast. <laughs> Sorry. I have a few additional slides which I could show then. Um, so uh, what are my concluding remarks about, about the sort of how do parent-children relationships and all these sort of the uh, this absence of negotiations and the very strong bargaining power that parents have, uh, how does that likely affect the uh, premarital childbearing in Japan. I mean, well, the economic environment is unlikely to improve uh, so that few single mothers, to improve to such an extent that few single mothers will have to rely on their parents' support uh, residentially or financially. The recent welfare trends uh, render dramatic increase, increases in state support for single mother families unlikely in the near future. So essentially the welfare in Japan has is being cut uh, I mean, Japan's been going through recession, as uh, some of you might know. And at the same time, it's a it's an aging country, so there uh, there's a lot of pressure on welfare budgets, and the state finds it's easier to cut the welfare provision for single mothers and kind of uh, improve a little bit the welfare provision, or at least not cut the uh, 
welfare for elderly. So there is unlikely to materialize uh, like some budgets and some money available uh, for single mothers. So natal families are, are and are likely to continue to be an important source of support for many single mothers. Uh, at the same time, as I explained today, at the moment there seems to be only very limited intergenerational negotiation when it comes to premarital childbearing. Essentially, parents are in a very strong position and uh, I would suspect that in many cases they are able to get their way, so a lot of premarital pregnancies in Japan are likely to end up in abortions. Um, and very few women are able to defy them, and if they do defy the parents, uh, as I demonstrated today, it often comes at a huge cost. They have to, sometimes they have to several ties uh, with their natal families, maybe if not forever, at least for a couple of years. And, the, and the, the, probably this first uh, one to three years, which are the most difficult and maybe it's the hardest to combine work and uh, childcare. Uh, the one kind of glimmer of hope into the liberalization of uh, family norms and perhaps family forms in Japan is the differences in attitudes uh, that I demonstrated earlier. And as we saw, younger generations uh, demonstrate much more liberal attitudes uh, to single mothers. And perhaps as this uh, younger generation age, we might the former younger people who will now be in their 50s and 60s might demonstrate uh, more liberal attitudes. Uh, so that's... So this paper was published in the book, which has been circulated around. If you are interested in illegitimate uh, in children born out of wedlock in Japan, I've also got a monograph on that, which mentions parents but uh, focuses on other, I and mean, I looked at shame and guilt uh, associations and how those impact um, uh, reproductive decision-making in Japan. That these were my main kind of themes in the book. Oh yeah, these are just the statistics. I just wanted to show how uh, much Japan stands out. This is the number, the proportion of children uh, born outside wedlock out of all in Japan. And uh, we see from 1950s to 2004, really, it stays flat essentially. Whereas in uh, other countries uh, from the top, I think it's Sweden probably, and the, the lower ones are Italy and Spain. We observe rise everywhere. Like o over the past uh, six decades, I think there's virtually no Western country where the statistics stayed flat. And the interesting, I, I didn't put the slides on, but the, in the difference about Japan is that Japan experienced liberalization of sexual norms and divorce-related norms. So if I added the graphs on, um, you know, the opinion, self-reports of uh, starting sexual life before marriage in Japan as opposed to other countries, it wouldn't stand out so dramatically. It might be the onset of change, might be later, but there's been a lot of change, and these days women do not have to be virgins in Japan to be able to get married. And uh, the same with divorce. Uh, divorce rates have gone up in Japan. And it, actually, if you look at just the current divorce rates, they've gone higher then they're higher now than in more conservative Western countries like Italy and Spain. So it's this particular norm which proves to be highly resistant to change. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, I mean, in, in this paper, I, I was arguing that parents might be one of the factors because in uh, this situation in Japan, which doesn't have a strong Christian norms which preclude abortions as a, as a solution, parents are able to force, uh, to sort of undo these unwanted children, whereas in case of a divorce, you can't. I mean, di di 
women who are mothers and they divorce their partners, they already have their children and uh, you can't undo them. Whereas when you're primarily pregnant, there is this alternative option. Mm -hmm. So thank you very much. And, uh, <laughs>